Where do we go? This is Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Bruce Arians. Fire the cannons! Brought to you by Advent Health. With the support of world-class expertise and whole-person care, it's time to feel whole with Advent Health. To learn more, visit adventhealth.com. Now your host, Bucs team reporter Casey Phillips, along with head coach Bruce Arians. Welcome into the Bruce Arians Show. Casey Phillips here with head coach Bruce Arians. Uh, was that game stressful or exciting or both? All the above. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we're the nicest team in the league. Yeah. We like to come in, give gifts, and uh, give the other team 10 points, 15 points, and then try to beat them. Yeah, I mean, just giving the Christmas spirit, right? All the way. And uh, is, this not, is this not what you're hoping for at the beginning of the games, is that they just you, you want them to be a little bit less nice here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of... Uh, been an MO versus for for about last month, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you know we got obviously we're going to go on the road this week, and it can't happen. So looking at Jameis throwing an interception, even on his first pass of the game, the fact that that's happened a few times, is that a coincidence, or is there something about? Is it maybe those jitters, that like overexcitement at the beginning of the game? Have you figured out kind of what's going on there? Uh, no, he's he's going to the right guy. Sometimes it's a little bit of a a route that's a timing route that might be misstepped. Um, or just some poor throw. And I know you um, you mentioned the resiliency of this team after the game, and, and when there are early turnovers like that, it would probably be pretty easy for teams to just get down on themselves and, and fall even further behind. But um, where do you think this, this resiliency that you talked about comes from? I think it's a, a confidence that's building, you know, within our group. They're, they see themselves in practice. They, they've seen themselves being overcome some of these things. Uh, you know, we give them 10, we come back and take a four-point lead. Uh, then we give them another one and go behind. But this, they know that if they just stick to it, there's enough talent to win. Yeah, I mean, you guys, the, the Buccaneers had lost 29 consecutive games where they had trailed by eight points or more. And they had lost 26 of 27 when the turnover margin is minus three or worse. So what was different in this game in particular? Well, I think <clears throat> that confidence level, um, we, we knew we could move the ball. Uh, it's a matter of getting a couple stops um, and then going back and getting the lead. And uh, then we got the turnover in the fourth quarter. Then we turn it right back over. Uh, then our defense doesn't give up points. They go out and pressure the kick, force the kick to be wide, hit the upright, and then we go down and score a touchdown. So it's it's that playing as a team, special teams, uh, offense and defense. So take us through those turnovers and, and each one of those plays and what you saw happen and, and what led to those. Well, the first one, uh, Mike was a little short on his route and um, Derek Slinger is a tall linebacker. So that little four or five yard window getting over his head is huge. And uh, and now they press coverage, and, and then Mike weaved a little bit. Jameis still tries to throw it in there. It's probably a bad decision and, and a bad route. Um, the pick six was they showed a cover zero look, meaning they outblitzed and were not hot on the backside. Cam breaks wide open going down the middle, and the guy we missed the protection up the middle. So there's a guy coming bearing down on Jameis. He thinks he's hot. And then, meantime, Darius Leonard drops back out right into the throwing lane. That's a pick six. A lot of times, when that happens right before half, a team folds up. This team took the ball, went right back down, and scored again. And that's what I love about them. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, how, how did you feel like 
the, the, you talked about the words from the vets at halftime, that you said that they went in there and that you didn't even have to do your normal scream and holler and yelling, which I'm sure your, your voice appreciated. Yeah. Um, what were the, the messages from them and how important is it to, to have you not always be the voice bringing that message? Oh, it's huge. I mean, I've, from first meeting on, I keep telling the guys, it's their team, it's not mine. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll be as good as you want to be. And, uh, you know, Levante stepped up again, and uh, our Allie said some things, some other guys said some things, and uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. So it's like, <clears throat> all right, we've got 30 minutes, let's go fix it. And uh, we're only down six, and we couldn't have played much worse than we played. <laughs> and Jameis, I mean, yes, there were the interceptions, and yes, there were still mistakes, of course, but then he also throws for a career-high 456 yards and 542 total yards of offense. So how do you evaluate a performance like that? We give him two grades, an F and an A. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but no, it was, uh, it, it's one of those things that, like I said, the game is scheduled for 60 minutes for a reason. If you just hang in there, you know, and, and, and don't panic, good things will come. What did you see out of the positives of his performance, of all those yards, all those touchdowns? Uh, what worked so well for maybe the offense overall in that game? Well, we had a lot of guys step up. You know, when Mike goes down with his hamstring, Brashard Perriman played a new position. Justin Watson came in. By play a couple of times, they would switch where they were. And they did just a great job of getting, getting themselves in the right position, getting open. Justin makes a couple of big third-down catches. Brashard gets a touchdown catch. So uh, O.J. Howard, again, had another big game. So different guys stepped up. Our running game numbers weren't spectacular, but it was solid. When you see so many guys like this step up, that you see these big games that guys like you know Justin Watson had, Brashad Perriman's had a couple, O.J.'s had a couple, does it sort of show that it was not so much about guys not doing what they needed to do, but more about just there aren't always enough balls to go around, that it was more about opportunity than, than execution maybe? Yeah, I, I never get caught up with uh, the number three or four or five receivers, number of catches. Um, there's always going to be somebody have a lip poked out on Monday morning because there aren't enough balls to go around. One and two are getting theirs. Yeah. <laughs> so the rest of you just, just divvy them up and see what happens. But our running backs did a great job, and Jameis did a great job of finding his checkdowns, uh, and Griff did do when he was in there for a minute. Yeah, I wanted to hear uh, how you felt like you know, Ryan Griffin getting his first NFL snaps after basically five years of, of being a backup. Was, was that something you were excited to get a, to see him Not the way personally? it happened. Right, of course. <laughs> Not the way never, it happened. Just all of a sudden come out of the locker room and – Jameis is getting his thumb x-rayed, uh, but uh, we have all the confidence in the world in Ryan. I mean, he's one of the steadiest guys, meticulous pre preparation. He's always ready for his opportunities. And it's, it is one thing to practice well, to seem prepared in practice, but there are guys that can do that and then get in the game and it not show up. So how did you feel like he actually looked he when did, he was in He it? did fine. He could have held on. He, he got it out of his little bit too quick on a third down play, but no, he's, he's solid. And you mentioned, you know, those guys that, that stepped up offensively, that um, like Brashad and Justin Watson. How about Brashad in particular? That these last couple games in a row, um, does it feel like sort of a turning point for him and what he's been able to do for this team? <clears throat> I th you know, for me, he's been playing well all season. It's like you said, opportunities. You know, how many opportunities? It's not like he was dropping a bunch of balls; they weren't coming his way or they were <clears throat> incomplete. But um, yeah, he's made the most of them. That was a, that was a great throw and a really good, really good catch to win the game. And how about Justin Watson? What had you seen from him in practice that either had meant that he had not been getting some of those opportunities, but then that um, was enough that he was able to, to capitalize on them when he was given them? Well, you know, two guys got hurt. Scotty was inactive. Mike goes down. It's your turn. 
And again, this guy practices hard. I mean, he's ready and he's got his opportunity. And one man's injury is another man's opportunity. So he did the best with it, especially as a punt returner. Never done it before. Went out and did a great job. Yeah, I was going to ask, how did you feel confident giving him that role when he'd never done it in college or the pros? Yeah, he, has, he doesn't drop him in practice. So, I mean, that's, that's all you get to go on. Casey Phillips here with head coach Bruce Arians. So there was that essentially game-winning drive at the end. The defense still had to get out there and make a stop, but that, that touchdown to Brashad ended up being the, the go-ahead one. Can you take us through that drive a little bit and, and what worked so well for you guys there to, to be able to pull that out? Yeah, we had a great play-action pass to start, you know, about a 25-yard gain to Brashard <clears throat> on a throwback play. The running game helped us. We, we stayed balanced in this drive. Um, big third-down catch, I think, by Justin Watson. The... <clears throat> Third and one was the only negative play the whole drive. And, uh, you know, Evita, he crushed his guy, but we got split on a double team and, and lost the yard. Uh, you know, with, there was some deliberation with three timeouts to kick a field goal and maybe, you know, try to hold him and get another field goal. Uh, we had a play we really liked. And uh, and we and executed it when we went for it on fourth down. So it was the fact that you felt confident in, in the play that you had, in, as compared to the situation itself, that you just thought this is a play that'll work. Yeah, I mean, it's it's toss up as far as kicking the field goal, go for the touchdown, uh, because we still had the timeouts, and you know, I actually used the timeout to make sure we got everything. Once I decided we were going to go for it, and uh, we were we were in good shape. How many people are involved in a decision like that? And explain just how quickly you have to make it and, and how you're able to be decisive in those moments when, like you said, it's almost this, this toss-up yeah, thing. You have 40 seconds you know, from the last play to the next play. to, And there's usually about 25 seconds to make that decision and get the play called and everything. And, you know, I, I had already alerted Byron, this is probably four-down territory, have your play. He told me the play. I said, yeah, that's fine. Um, I thought we'd go make it on third and one and use that play actually for a first down and uh, and ended up having to use it on a fourth down. So... We talked about how many guys had to step up, you know, that nine different guys caught a pass at some point during that game. And um, When Mike goes down that early in a game, were you concerned about the ability to have those guys step up or just what kind of an impact in general that would have on the offense? I mean, taking Mike out of the offense is huge um, and probably will be out, you know, for at least another week. So, um, yeah, you're always looking, will somebody step up? Uh, will they take this moment and make it theirs, you know? And uh, and they did. And uh, you know, we, we had five or six guys do it. So we talked a lot about the offense. How about for the defense? Um, how about we just say that with the DBs, how would you rate their play? Uh, they had two grades also, <laughs> Fs and As. I mean, we, we let our man go for two touchdowns. Uh, when, when we're playing man-to-man and just go try to help somebody else, that's not real smart. And um, But we had the big, big stop. We had... Created the turnover in the fourth quarter, which is always huge, and, uh, and another big stop after we turn it back over. So you got to give them an A for that. So we need to tell them to stop taking two classes and just take one, just, just one. Just take grade. one class and cover your guy. Casey Phillips here with head coach Bruce Arians, and uh, I have to imagine when they missed that field goal on Sunday that uh, that you had an internal just party over there on the side. Is that something that you you tend? To, are, are you are you a praying man when that's happening? Are you what were you doing when a field goal is about no, to happen? You know, we had one blocked early in the game and went right past it. So I, I knew we were going to get real good pressure, and he felt it. Uh, so it was a matter of just getting that good pressure and, and him feeling it and the ball hitting the upright.
And we had talked about losing Mike earlier, but you know, you, you lost Donovan Smith for a few plays, able to come back in. How important is he to this offense and, and oh. just that, that Iron Man streak that he has of the fact that he is so reliable and out there? Yeah, that's one thing I say about all of our offensive linemen is they're, they're reliable, and, and Donovan leads the pack. So, uh, yeah, I mean, when he's not out there, he's, he's a premier left tackle. So he's got their best pass rusher, and he was doing a heck of a job. Uh, on Justin Houston, and then you know Josh went out there and got beat inside, um, and no one that was coming. So he's just got to relax when he gets out there. Our, our defense was asked to again make a stop to win the game. It's, there's been a few times this year. I think back to the Carolina game in Carolina, and um, how have you felt like they've held up in those moments of pressure? Where I know there are times during the game you talk about mental errors, but the fact that they have multiple times gotten in there and, and made the stop to win the game. Yeah, I mean we, we've answered the bell more than we haven't, you know, and uh, I, I like the fact that that we are playing extremely aggressive in those moments now and not afraid to make plays. And uh, Cameron Braid has always been a reliable target, you know, for Jameis for years and, and especially a red zone guy. Why is he so effective in the red zone? And I saw that, um, you know, he just had a huge percentage of his catches coming in, in that area in that game. Yeah, I mean, he, he's got great hands. He's a big target and, and he knows football. He knows how to get open, especially in the short cramped spaces. So he, made, he runs great routes down there, and uh, you know we need, probably need to use him more. Him and OJ getting to have a, a game together, that, that was one of the first times this season that they've both been used multiple times and in a lot of different ways. Um, how challenging do you see that being for defenses when you have the two of them, and just in general, so many weapons that are out there and able yeah, to make catches? That, when, when we can run the football, both those guys in there, it, it makes it much better for our passing game instead of having to put an extra lineman in to run the ball. Uh, so, yeah, and, and Cam's done a heck of a job blocking this year. And it was the My Cause, My Cleats game. Uh, how did you end up liking your, your shoes? I thought they came out pretty good. Yeah, I, I was really pleased with them. And for reminding people, what was the cause that they were supporting? Voices for Children, uh, the Guardian at Lighting program here in Florida and CASA programs in Arizona and Pennsylvania and, and, uh, and Georgia Lake Counties. And you're, you're a guy that prides himself in, in looking swaggy, having some fashion. What did you think of some of the other guys' shoes that you saw out there? I thought Shaq's were pretty sharp. Yeah. And uh, there's a, there a lot of really, really good stuff. And, uh, you know, it's, I think it's one of the best programs the league allows now. That's great. Um, so what is now your, your message to the team? Now that um, even though you won the game, unfortunately, the elimination from the playoffs because of what happened with other teams on Sunday, what is the message now when you know that playoffs are not a thing, but you do still have three games left to play? Yeah, I mean, play. we want to go out winners. You know, uh, we've had a losing tradition here for a little bit, and uh, we want to switch that. And uh, we got a chance to win four in a row, and just that's all we control right now. Um, how Does that change anything about what you guys do the rest of the season, any of the decisions you make, the way you do things when that happens, does that change anything about the way you guys coach? Or no, not at all. I mean, uh, we can't look at any more younger players. We've got them all in there now. So <laughs> it's just a matter of continue to get better and, uh, and, and win one at a time. So now looking at this Lions game, um, you have a very small sample size of David Blau to look at. How does that create some challenges when it's somebody that has, has only played a couple games and those two games were so different from each yeah, other? Yeah, they're... they're they're not that different than they are with Matt Stafford in there and, and Driscoll. So uh, it's, it's the Lions offense. So it's, it's not like they created a special offense for him. Got great receivers, um, good backs. I mean, it's, it'll be another heck of a challenge for our defense, especially at those wideouts versus our corners. What do you see about their style of offense that, that can be challenging to go against? They're like us. They like to push it up the field. You know, they'll go down on they got tall receivers, so they don't mind throwing it up. And, uh, and we've got to be great in technique, and uh, hopefully we'll get an interception or two. 
knowing that Matt Patricia comes from that Patriots system, how have you seen the way that he's tried to carry some of, of that over to the Lions and, and what he has brought as a head coach to that organization? Yeah, it, Matt's defense that he was running in New England, and he's one of the brightest guys in the league, and uh, they do a great job doubling guys, and I'm sure Chris Guy won't see some double teams in this ballgame, so other guys are going to have to step up. What are some of their other biggest strengths defensively of you know individual guys or the way that they go about stuff? Well, Trey Flowers is probably one of the best pass rushers we'll see. So if Donovan's injured a little bit, uh, it'll be it'll be tough on him. But that that's one that we have to handle. How confident do you feel in um, maybe we talked about how reliable your starting offensive linemen are, but in your in your backups and just in that unit as a as an ability to have different guys come in and still play with consistency. Well, you know we address seven. <laughs> we only address seven offensive linemen. One usually is playing tight end. So uh, yeah, that you know they all played last week and uh, Stinney got in. He got a little action and uh, so yeah, everybody that's dressed. Be ready to roll. And then finally, what is the message of you know making sure they don't overlook the Lions of making sure that you know knowing that they've they're on a losing streak that with us being on a winning streak that they that they are treated with an appropriate amount of care. Yeah, we we learned a little lesson last week. You know, we didn't have our best week of practice, and we talked a lot about it Friday and Saturday, and at halftime, and uh, and after the game. So, <laughs> so you, a few times <laughs> you learn you learn from a lot more from almost losing than you do from losing. And uh, we almost lost, but we got a lot of things to correct, and uh, hopefully it won't happen this week. Casey Phillips here with head coach Bruce Arians. This is where we take your questions that you submitted on the Buccaneers Instagram after the game on Sunday night. Our first one comes uh, from someone who asked, it seems like you have changed the culture with the accountability. How has that been helping with this win streak? Oh, so totally. You know, when, when guys are accountable to each other, uh, that's a lot of people use the word chemistry. I don't like that word. It's accountable to each other as far as preparation knowing that you're doing what it takes to win, I'm going to do what it takes to win, and we're all in it together. How do you create a, a culture of accountability? And we, we talk about it every single day. Every meeting starts with who had penalties, who had mental errors. I'm sure and, they love uh, that. And they don't like being on that sheet. Yeah, I can imagine. Our next question says, uh, what is the mindset of the team following elimination from playoffs? Win the next one, you know, and, uh, and have a winning season. Okay, and our next one says, uh, what position needs to develop the most over the last few weeks of the season? I think everybody can improve, but uh, you know, our, our safeties, uh, has, they struggled a little bit on deep balls in this past game. And, uh, but no, every, every, every position, if we're not improving, we're not getting better. Which position group have you seen maybe improve the most so far this season? I would say our running backs. I think they've played, you know, other than a couple of blitz pickups, I think they've, they've gotten better and better off season. Interesting. Uh, all right, this, I like this next one. Uh, favorite snack you like to eat? <laughs> Anything with salt. Any, you're not <laughs> I, a sugar I'm not guy? A, I'm not a sweet guy. Everything, everything is with salt. Everything that's salty, that's great. Uh, all right, our next one is, how do you like living in Florida? Oh, I love it. My wife's extremely happy, and we're, we're, we, we're ecstatic. It's, uh, it's been fantastic. The fans are great. Uh, you know, the bucks are great, so it, it's been a great transition. I imagine with your schedule, you haven't gotten to do a whole lot, but anything uh, favorite so far about living down here, things that you've gotten to do? Yeah, I, I like to drink outside, so there's a lot of good spots. Yeah. <laughs> Florida is definitely good for that. <laughs> All right, and our next one says, uh, what can we expect from the team these last few games? To give, to give quality effort every week and, uh, and uh, play together as hard as we can. This is Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Bruce Arians brought to you by Advent Health. We will be right back with cornerbacks coach Kevin Ross. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. Buccaneers Total Access brought to you by Advent Health. Now more with head coach Bruce Arians and Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. 
Welcome back in. We just had head coach Bruce Arians with us for the first half of the show, and now I am excited to welcome in cornerbacks coach Kevin Ross. Thanks for being with us, coach. Uh, so first, we can, we can talk a little bit about that game. We're going to get into your playing career and coaching career and, and a bunch of other things with, with the guys that report to you. But uh, first of all, that was, that was quite a either stressful or exciting game or, or both. Where, where do you fit on that? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the stressful side of it because yeah. I know we can play better and uh, we're going to get better. We, every week we should get better. And every game is more experience for those guys. And, you know, when positive things like that happen and we're – we can learn from things. Yeah, and especially as young as, as your guys are, and we'll get a little bit into that later and in, in what it's like coaching so many young guys. But, I mean, I'm sure it is like that, that one game is such a big percentage of their playing career that you probably do see some really big tangible improvement each time, and, and it is such a, a big jump maybe for each of them in terms of experience. Every experience is a different experience. Each week it's a different scenario, uh, you know, and uh, they're responding pretty well. Good. And, and how did you feel about your guys' play in that game? Ooh, we gave up some plays we shouldn't have gave up, but uh, like I said, there's some positive. I'm trying to be as positive as I can with these guys. They need to, they just need to understand each week, each practice counts, and uh, sometimes we take for granted or we look at it like, oh, such and such is not playing. Oh, this is this team. Uh, this is the National Football League. You you got to play. You got to show up every Sunday to win the games here. Yeah, no matter who the wide receivers are. No matter are. who the people are, you got to you got to show up. If they're in the NFL, they're going to be hard to, to they're defend. In, they're in for a reason. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Um, what did you see about why the team didn't give up? I mean, when there's a couple turnovers early in the game, down by double digits mul multiple times. You've been in this league long enough to see what is the difference in teams that are able to come back from a situation like that as compared to ones that just end up kind of folding at that point. We got we got people that can score here. I mean, you got the receivers here are phenomenal. Uh, Jameis does a good job of getting the ball down the field. They do you know good play calling, and so you, I feel like you're never out of a game as long as you have that situation. Uh, we, we have to understand how to play that though on on a defensive side of the ball, and uh, at the end when it counted. They came up big. Yeah, I mean, you guys are being asked to make that one last stop, and I have to imagine, is that sort of the best or worst case scenario for a defensive coach that you do you want to be in that position? Or is you it don't want to be in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be in that situation, but uh, you know, if you're handling that pressure like the, like they did, uh, then it's great. They can learn from it, get more confidence, and uh, go from there. Well, I want to hear a little bit about uh, your career and everything, how you got here at this point. I know that you got to play in the NFL for 14 seasons. I mean, that mm -hmm. is not something a lot of people can say. So why were you able to have such longevity, durability in this league? No, no, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I, don't I, I, I really couldn't understand it. Uh, I, I was around good people. Uh, they taught me how to train, uh, played with some great players. Uh, some of those guys I think should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, had a Hall of Fame coach, Tony Dungy. So I was taught by one of the best and just took every, every experience, like, a, like I'm telling my players, I'm trying to teach them every experience is a different experience. You never stop learning the game. If you think you've arrived, you never arrived. <laughs> you know, you're always learning something new and, uh, you know, you just keep growing. You were drafted in the seventh round, mm -hmm. not something that when, when people are drafted at that point, not very many go on to have that long of a career. I mean, even a lot of first-rounders don't go on to have that long of a career. So why do you think you were were you either overlooked or did you just grow that much as a player? How did you go from being seventh-round draft pick to having that kind of a career? Well, I don't want to sound cocky or overconfident, but what I, what I did is I, when I got to the combines 
and I saw all the so-called great players practice and do what they did, I, I, I didn't see any difference between me and them, except sometimes the height, a little bit of speed, but my game was physical. Uh, and uh, like I said, if I, if I, I knew if I did, could stay healthy, then I had a chance to do it. Yeah, when you say physical game, you were nicknamed The Rock, is that right? Yes. Yes. Who came up with that and when did that first start getting used? They called me that. Uh, they started that in uh, Kansas City. Art Stills did it. Uh, they kept trying to, people kept trying to run me over because I was small. I was weighing 180, 183 when I was playing. And uh, they tried me. And you said, nope, not a good idea. Not a bad result. <laughs> yeah. um, and you, you were one of only three Chiefs in, in their franchise history to have a touchdown at least four different ways. <laughs> That's a pretty cool stat. I mean, you have interceptions, you had field goal returns, fumble recoveries, blocked punts. You were all over the place. How important is that kind of a stat for you and what it means about your career just and how you were able to have an impact in so many different ways? I'm teaching these guys the same way I know. Go to the ball, good things happen to you. If you go to the ball, good <laughs> things gonna happen to you. You can't make a play if you don't go to the ball. <laughs> and you can't make a play if you don't, you, want, you have to want them to throw the ball at you. Otherwise, I, I can't make a play. Mm -hmm. So you, you gotta be prepared that way uh, a whole, the whole week long. And once you get that feeling about, I can do this, then you, 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 you start building your confidence and you want them to throw the ball at you. Size seems like something that it, it sounds like it was a conversation about you and your career when you were going in there. It's still a conversation now when people say, oh, that guy's too short to be this kind of a corner. That guy's too small to be this kind of a safety, whatever it is. Um, why do you think that is that we're still saying that? How much does it matter for those positions and what does it take to, to maybe overcome if you are on the smaller side? It's big in the red zone area. Uh, you know, that, that with this back shoulder fade and these guys making these catches, these crazy catches that they're doing. Uh, but in the open field or whatever, you know, hey, you make them the size you want. And you, if you put your hands on them, then you, know, you can control the receiver. We're talking to cornerbacks coach Kevin Ross. So does that ever affect when you're evaluating a potential draft pick? If people are starting to say that they're a little bit small, do you find yourself ever kind of fighting back against that and, and saying that that's not no, as big a factor? you can be small but big. You know what I'm saying? Like you have running backs that are small in height but they run like they're 6'4", 6'5", you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's the same thing with a DB. Uh, if the DB uh, is constantly making plays on the ball, then I, I, I excuse that size. If he's not making plays on the ball, or he's getting overpowered by a wide receiver, then uh, I can see the issue. Does going against somebody like Mike Evans in practice, who is so big and in such a physical receiver, do you think that that is helpful for some of your guys to learn what it's going to be like to have to be physical in the NFL? They're not going to get any bigger. They're not going to get any faster. So if you can handle him, you ought to go into a ball game feeling pretty good about yourself. That's a great point. Um, you also made two Pro Bowls. What did that mean to you in terms of that honor and um, where that stands and just when you look at your career, something that you were proud of? Well, that's what I practiced for. I practiced. I didn't want to be a mediocre guy. I didn't just want to be an A guy. I wanted to be try to be the best at my position. Uh, I, I did as best as I could uh, each week. Uh, but uh, like I said, you have to be consistent, very consistent. And then when your opportunities come up, you got to catch that ball. How how do you feel like the Pro Bowl? Um, is either similar or different than it was when you were in it. That now, when you see the Pro Bowl, and what we it, played to win. Yeah, <laughs> they don't play to win no more. They just they're, they're, this is this is a different brand of ball right now. They they 
take care of each other. So yeah, you guys weren't touch, doing that. They'll blow the whistle. No, we no, we blowing each other up. <laughs> Do you think that that's a, a good thing or a bad thing the way that it's evolved now? I don't think the fans appreciate it too much. I don't think you know. I think they like to see football at, at you know at its finest. But then you feel like maybe that the Pro Bowl is gonna if if people are getting hurt in it, they're not gonna want to go. Have you seen that as well, where guys are maybe not wanting to go? Was that ever even a thought in your mind to no. not go? No, no, oh no. I mean, that was this honor to go, and I would I would be there in a heartbeat, and I play the same way. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't play two hand touch. Yeah, <laughs> you're like no way. That's not what I'm here for. Uh, who were some of your favorite players uh, to go against, or maybe the toughest? to go against? Or maybe are those the same same thing or different thing? <laughs> well, I didn't like guys my size, so I didn't like a guy, say, like a, a Mark Duper or a Mark Clayton type of guy. I, I prefer to actually prefer the bigger guys because they, they, they restart. Like, if you put your hands on them, their stride so long that I, I kind of like those kind of guys as opposed to guys my size. Because so. then you didn't have the, the same quickness advantage, maybe? or mm, No. Yeah. No. Interesting. How, and so who... Who would you say were some of the toughest people you ever had to go against? Man, I played against a lot of Hall of Famers. I, and guys that I didn't know they was going to make the Hall of Fame made the Hall of Fame. So, I mean, I, they were all tough. Uh, I come to mind, I can't even... Well, you, you'll, put, you'll put Jerry Rice in there. Yeah, yeah I think that, would, that would probably be a good one. Al Davis used to assemble an Olympic track team. Willie Galton, all those guys, he had, all, he had an Olympic track team out there, so they were always tough because they all could, they could all run, and I was a 4-5 guy, 4-4-9 four, four, guy. These guys are 4-2-9 guys and things like that, so if I slipped up in the, at the line of scrimmage, they were, they were going to get me. What skills that a wide receiver has makes them the hardest to go against as a corner? That if um, you were to see you know, a wide receiver that has X, Y, or Z, what are the, the things that make it the absolute most challenging for someone to be able to cover them? I like a wide receiver that, could, that does it all. He can, he can run slants. He can run comebacks. He can run nine routes. He can run dig routes. He can do all the double moves, and he blocks. I respect people like that. Uh, a Larry Fitzgerald type of guy, a uh, Hopkins type of guy, you know, those kind of guys. Or, or, uh, Julio Jones type of guy. I, mm-hmm. I respect those guys a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how, how about just the way that playing cornerback – has changed since you were in the league. What are the? Has it changed very much, and if so, in what way? No, the referees have changed. <laughs> the referees have changed. Uh, the the rule, the, the five yard rule. Yeah. Iffy. 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 <laughs> Iffy. But the, the the main thing is the uh, it's a passing league now, and uh, you know people want to be entertained, and so. Uh, they let certain things go, certain things they don't let go, and I just try to let the players, try to teach the players off of what I see the referees are allowing what they're not allowing to do. So we have Rondé Barber and John Lynch both that we're trying to get in the Hall of Fame here, and I wanted to hear your case for guys like that at those positions, why they, why they should get into the Hall of Fame and, and the things that you remember about their playing career. Okay, so I'm going to put it like this. This is my view of the Hall of Fame. If you were the best uh, when you played in your era, you had the best stats at your position, I feel like, okay, you're a Hall of Fame type of guy. Those two guys, the Hall of Fame type of guys. They both meet that qual- that idea in your head? They have what I don't have. They have, they have first of all, they have a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. okay? They have Pro Bowls, multiple Pro Bowls. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they are they're well-deserving of that, you know, honor. 
I like that. I like that. Well, we still have more coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access with cornerbacks coach Kevin Ross brought to you by Advent Health. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access brought to you by Advent Health with head coach Bruce Arians and Bucks insider Casey Phillips. All right, we are back here on Buccaneers Total Access with cornerback coach Kevin Ross. We were just talking a little bit about your career and what it has meant to be a, a cornerback in DB when you played and, and now. And um, I wanted to hear how did your playing career affect the way that you coach now? That What do you remember about when you were a player that you think has helped you at this point? The, the don'ts more than the do's. I'd never tell them to do it like I did it. I'll tell them I tried that, didn't work out too well. <laughs> so the do as I say, yeah, not as I did. Yeah, yeah, you might wanna, you know, you might wanna slow down on that one right there. But uh, the biggest, you know, the biggest thing is like I said, you, you, the technology has changed in the game. We don't have the, 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 the info that these guys get today. Uh, pitches on the sidelines. Uh, who has the most catches, where they get the catches at, who they're going to. It's, it's, it's really, really nice the way they set the game up right now. So they have a little advantage. You, you, do you tell them that if I had to do this without all this, this is the whole, like, I had to right. walk uphill both ways? Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. You think it would have helped you immensely oh, to have all no that? No question about it. I had a, like a, I had a guy, Deron Cherry, was, he, was, he was like that. He was already built like that. He's photogenic memory and everything like that, but... Uh, they have so much access to great information right now on how to shut people down. It's, it's pretty good stuff. What is your overall coaching strategy, I guess, of the way that you try to relate to the guys, talk to them? What are, what are your big things that you try to keep in mind for what you're trying to accomplish with them in those meeting rooms and on the practice field? Because they're playing the hardest position on the field, you gotta, you got to be loose, you got to be confident. Uh, I try to uh, understand who can take hard coaching, who needs to be privately coached? Uh, so you are different for each guy on your on your room. Yeah, they don't think that, but uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, what would they say that your your coaching is like? Crazy. <laughs> uh, it's brutally honest. Yep. It's brutally honest in there, but uh, you know, I try to keep them loose. I like that. I think that would pro- that seems like a position that you would have to be losing. You you went out on a limb there saying it's the hardest position on the field. I'm sure. Oh, ain't no question. Ain't about no that. question. Okay, ain't so no tell question me tell that. me why that is. Make your argument for that. Well, a defensive lineman can make a mistake. A linebacker can cover him up. A linebacker can make a mistake. Uh, a, a, a DB can cover him up. There's nobody out there to cover you up. That's the most criticized uh, position out there on the field. Oh, he's a bum. Oh, he's just that never. My question to you is. You think you can go out there and do it? Come out there and do it. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. It's a little harder than people yeah. think. Oh, no question. Uh, how did you first get linked up with B.A.? B.A. got linked up with me. <laughs> yeah, the other way around. You're right. This yeah, is good. I was at Temple. He came to Temple my last year. Okay. I was his first captain. Wow. I was his first captain. And, uh, you know, he, he what he did now, he brought a mindset. I'm, uh, this stuff they got done going on at Temple, this Temple t- tough stuff, you know, hey, B.A. had already established that. He had already established that in his program. Uh, very organized, with very tough practices. I don't even know who this guy is right now. He's a, he's mild and mink right now compared <laughs> to then. Back then, he was oh, brutal. 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 So if it, when we hear all this stuff about how he's so tough on them in practice and, and hollering and cussing this, guys this out. This tough? Yeah. The, this, no. <laughs> no. It's not tough. That's nothing. No. Again, this is the, the back in my day things were so much worse moment. 
Oh. Yeah. You, somebody from high school can come out here and take some of these practices. <laughs> How about, so looking at B.A. as a, when you played for him and now getting to coach alongside him, what are the things about him that it just seems like people are so loyal to him. You have so many guys that have known him for so long wanting to be part of this coaching staff and um, people like playing for him. What is it about his style that is so appealing? He's very loyal to you. And so you want to be very loyal to him. You want to do the best job you possibly can for him. He's going to take care of you. You need to take care of him. He's a family-oriented man. He believes in that. And he believes in, you know, this teaching. Teaching is big with him. You got, you got to be able to teach the game. You got to be able to teach scenarios, uh, all aspects of the game. And uh, if you can do that, uh, you've got a good shot with it. And how have you seen the players respond to him? Positive. Very positive. It's, it's coming along. It's coming. We, we, we ain't there yet, but we, it's coming. It's coming. And, oh, baby, when it comes, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit pretty good. It, it looks like, I, I, it does seem like in recent games, things are really gelling and, and clicking a little bit more. And we know it always takes time for a new system. And is, is that how it feels to you guys, that it's finally clicking with the players and it seems like the cohesiveness is getting there? It's frustrating because it's taking so, it's taking so long. We gave a couple games away. And... Uh, we realized that now we're we're fighting and clawing just to, you know, make sure we get in position to uh, try to make these playoffs. We're talking to cornerback coach Kevin Ross. How about Todd Bowles um, as a coordinator, and, and what do you like about getting to coach in his system, and, and how does his system work well for the guys that you coach? Todd Bowles has a very, very multiple system. Uh, players love it. You play a lot of man. You play a lot of zone. You play different combinations. He's got all kinds of strategies. Uh, if you you want to excel, you you probably want to play for him because his, his success he's had great success as a coordinator. And how about your position in particular? Maybe uh, what do cornerbacks, you know, DBs overall get asked to do in his system that maybe they wouldn't in some other systems? You'll blitz. You'll play short field. You'll play deep balls. Uh, you'll play combination coverages. A lot of teams don't do that. Uh, his uh, his his uh, system allows you to excel. Shows your talent. Show your talent. Uh, you're gonna make some Pro Bowls. You're gonna you're gonna do some great things out of that system. I know you said you guys were frustrated that it didn't get um, it didn't start clicking a little bit sooner because of the games you guys gave away. What is so challenging about implementing a new defensive scheme? What are the things that are that do tend to take the longest for guys to understand? Trust and trust in each other where they're gonna be at and what they got to do. Uh, that's that's the main thing right there. To me, that would be the big issue. You know, where are you going to be at on this on, when this thing develops like this, that, and the other? Nobody's really had success running the ball against us. They've been trying to pass the ball, and I would too because you got a lot of young guys back there. Secondary play is a little different. Secondary play is like line play, offensive line play is. It's not about one person. You know what I mean? It takes all four of you to be doing on the same page, and that's kind of hard to do because of things that are happening so fast. There's a lot of shifting in motion, and these guys coming from college, they don't have to make calls. You know what I'm saying? They, this, it's a field deal in the college. It's not a field deal up here. There's always shifting in motion up here. So that forces you to communicate and know where people are going to be at in certain plays. Is that the biggest uh, adjustment for cornerbacks in particular coming in as oh, rookies? Oh, no question. No question about it because... And, and they're anchored pretty much in college. You know, they, they're either left or right. This shift in emotion and, and combination deals, the, the formations they see, is a little different. 
What has been the biggest challenge for you having so many young players? And it's not like you have just one new rookie. It's basically everybody, you know, that your your quote unquote veteran guy for a while there was Vernon, you know, and he only had a couple years under his belt. Yeah. So what is the challenge for you in having so many at one position? Uh, well, you don't have that one guy that can say, you need to watch him on this on this technique right here, or you need to watch how he prepares mentally in the film room. I'm that guy, and I, I can't give you that example on the field because I'm not playing anymore. Right. But so I had to show you, okay, this is how we're going to study you know, this. This is how you need to go out there and prepare this. Oh, that's not good enough. You know, The hardest thing for me to do and the hardest thing about coaching to me is the criticism part of it. You know, you, you always got to say, no, nah, that's not good enough. That's not this, that, and the other. If you intercept the ball, you make a tackle, you don't really get a, that a boy, that a boy. You know, you, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what they pay you that big money for. <laughs> so they're not getting the pat on the back. They're just yeah, only getting the no criticism. That's the, that's the part they don't like. <laughs> yeah. I don't give a whole lot of pats on the back. Well, and I heard that you were calling to quiz rookies at like 6 in the morning back in, was this <laughs> mini camp or training camp or something well, like that? Yeah, well, you know, I got to put it on your mind. <laughs> First thing in the morning. First thing in the morning. You got to be, hey, this is my job. This is my job. This is what you're going to do. You don't have long to do it. This is, this, is, this is not a normal life. So tell me how one of those calls would go. The guy, uh, he answers the phone and he says hello. You immediately ask him a question? Uh, well, I say somebody else on somebody else's team is running. What are you doing? <laughs> somebody, else is, somebody else's team is lifting. What are you doing? What a wake-up well, What call. are you doing to get an edge on him? And then we start talking about coverages and stuff. I'm sure they loved these early morning phone calls. Hey, no, they start out by, what time is it, coach? I say, it's 5.30, 6 o'clock. What difference does it make? It don't matter. We play different times. We play 1 o'clock. We play 4 o'clock. We play Monday. We play Thursday. We play Sundays. What, what's the difference? What does it matter? We're going to have to know this any time of the day, any day of the week. There you go. <laughs> That's great. Um, and I know Jamel Dean really credited studying and the way he went about studying and preparing for his kind of big turnaround after that performance in Seattle and the way that he made such a big jump. Um, what type, what, what did essentially that mean? What did he mean when he said the way that he changed? What did you see as how he um, made some, some changes in the way he was preparing? Uh, he, his film study, his film study, he understood where people were, where people were lining up, uh, where his help was going to be at, what kind of technique he needed to use. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's different areas of the field, my slow, my pedal down, my alignment, and all that kind of stuff. He's, he's getting better and better every week. But all those guys are getting better and better every week with that. And that, that's a credit to them. Where do you see as, as Jamel's um, potential, and what do you really like about what he brings to the game? He's going to get his hands on the ball some kind of way. Now, he, he's got to learn how to catch that ball. <laughs> we got to catch balls better. You ask me, we're, 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 we got to catch balls. We're getting our hands on balls. We got to catch balls. Bad things happen if you don't catch the ball. Is that where you tend to put them on the jugs machine after a game like that, where they? Well, see, the thing is, you have to be running when you catch that ball. You don't catch interceptions standing still. So you have to simulate what you're going to do in the game. You got to run through the ball, focus on the ball, and things like that. What do you, have you seen as besides from studying the biggest ways that uh, Jamel in particular has grown this season? Experience. Experience helps. Every play helps. Every play that you play helps you become a better player. All right. It tells well, you the do's and the don'ts. Yeah, that's true. We still have one more segment coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access with cornerback coach Kevin Ross. We're going to get into more of those guys individually and what we're hoping to see from them, what you've seen from them so far. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. 
Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Bruce Arians now continues. Brought to you by Advent Health. It's time for our final segment here on Buccaneers Total Access. We have cornerback coach Kevin Ross here with us. We were just talking about Jamel Dean. I want to hear um, Sean Murphy Bunting. What were the things that when you were looking at him before the draft that really made you say, yeah, this is a guy that I would want on my team? I thought his uh, ball skills, number one, his instincts. Uh, I think he's very versatile. He's got a, he's got football savvy, football smart. You know what I'm saying? He's he doesn't have a lot of weighted, wasted motions. He, he's he's going to be a good ball player. And yeah, what have you seen from him so far this season in the ways that he's already improved and, and gotten better just since the very beginning? Route combination understanding. You know when people do certain things to him, where 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 he needs to be at, where he needs to, you know, look for plays to make. What are the biggest areas that you feel like you would want to see him grow in these last couple games of the season? He just started it just, just yesterday, actually. Uh, he was more physical at the uh, these bubble screens and things like that right there, so he's getting better at that. Uh, I was happy with that. He still has to learn how to protect his legs. He's getting cut every now and then, but he's going to be all right. What all have you asked of, of Carlton Davis to do? And, you know, we see that he's a lot of times the guy covering the, the number one ride receiver for the other team. What are some of the biggest things that um, he's been asked to do, again, because so many guys on this defense were so young and, and him being in, in just his second year, but, again, starting to feel like he's one of the, the elder statesmen back there? Carlton can be a very good football player. Uh, he's very physical. Uh, he, 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 too, gets his hands on balls. He, he, he needs to catch the ball a little better. But his size... Uh, his physicality allows us to match up with some other folks. He can run, so he's, he should be a good ball player uh, as well. And, and same thing, what are the, the biggest things for him these last couple games that you'd like to see him accomplish? Catching that ball. Catch the ball. Catching that ball. Catch the ball. <laughs> Catch the ball. Run with it. Looking, I know you weren't with this team last year, but I'm sure you guys looked at all the, the film from last season and the guys that are on the team. Where do you feel like you've seen Carlton grow from last year when you had looked at some of that film to where he is this year? Uh, communication part of it. Uh, I saw a lot of busted coverages, uh, and it seemed like they weren't clean with the communication part. Mm. Um, and Mazzy Wilkins has been asked to, to step in as a, a local guy out of USF mm. that the guys had, had heard, and um, even just kind of smiled when I brought up his name. Tell me, what, what have you liked about him and what he's um, been he's able one, to he's do? He's one of my favorites. Oh, really? He's All one right. of my favorites. He uh, He's done everything we asked him to do. Uh, I'm happy for him. I'm so proud of him because he's coming a long way. He's gained 10 pounds uh, since we started. Uh, he's getting stronger. He's getting better. He's getting. He's he, he's another example of uh, you know growing into the position. What what tends to make a guy one of your favorites? What are the things that as a as a cornerback coach, DB coach, that a, a player does that makes you say that? Not afraid of challenges. Not afraid to work expect to make plays. They're those kind of people I love. So it's even more about the attitude than just the physical gifts that I they mean, bring. The physical gifts, they'll stay the same if you don't try to develop them every day. You know what I'm saying? You're either, it's either better or worse. And those, These guys, Mozzie in particular, he works every day about it. And it I think those other guys uh, realize that as well. He's coming. Mike Edwards has been asked to to play some safety, some nickel, and um, Coach even, I think, said at one point that he believed that nickel was actually his most natural or, or potentially best position. So um, what is it about him that, that makes him, A, capable of playing those those multiple different types of positions, and what did you see when he was asked to, to step in there and play some nickel? He seems like he's a natural blitzer. He can dip. 
get around people real good. Uh, he can play the run. He can play the short area passes. He has short area quickness. That's why he can play nickel. And do you, does it ever make you, when you're technically the cornerbacks coach, does it make you kind of want to pull, you know, if, if you see that there is a guy that can play safety and corner, does it make you want to pull him over to your, to your guys? Yeah, you want to get your hands on him to work on that? Um, and how about Ryan Smith? Uh, when, you know, he's mainly been a, a special teams guy, which is also something I know you knew a lot of in, in your playing career, and um, so you probably have a lot of respect for guys that can be doing both of those things. I was telling Ryan, we had a guy in Arizona, Justin Bethel, was j exactly like Ryan, a special teams demon, but Justin scored every year. Every year he got his hands on the ball as a nickel and went for touchdowns. And Ryan could be that same person. Ryan, Ryan's got good feet, excellent feet, good hands, good change of direction. Uh, he's coming along as well. So what are the things that have so far kind of kept him from contributing a little bit more as a DB that you could see him because of the skills he's shown, that the athleticism, things that, that we see in the special teams that needs to kind of make it where it clicks a little bit more into the, the DB area? Every now and then might have a mental lapse. Every, every now and then. And then tackling is important. You know what I'm saying? Tackling is important. Open field tackling is very important at DB. You miss and it, it, is, it can be over. There, here's, here's the thing about football. Here's the thing about corner play right now, and I told these guys in the spring. There are more five-yard passes to go for 30, 40, 50 uh, touchdowns than there are actually long ball passes. So the tackling part of it is, is very important. They'll have more tackles than the interceptions in their career. I promise you that. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Coach, for joining us. This has been awesome. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for being with us. That's going to do it for us here on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. We'll be back next week. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Bruce Arians has been brought to you by Advent Health. With the support of world-class expertise and whole-person care, it's time to feel whole with Advent Health. To learn more, visit AdventHealth.com. This is Tampa Bay's Sports Radio, 95.3 WDAE and AM620 St. Petersburg. Home of the best box coverage.